with to be somewhat you know cliche not to say like just do it but like you know god man there were so many times where what are you gonna do you're gonna go watch tv or you're gonna go like, like there's just something that you can be doing to push this forward and you don't have to like do the whole thing like it's just one foot in front of the other so like what can you do to just move forward just a little bit From EXP DET, a lifestyle magazine and podcast bringing you the best of what Detroit has to offer, I'm your host, Lou Goldhaber, and on today's episode, we're recording live from the StockX office right here in downtown Detroit, and we're talking with Josh Luber, co-founder of StockX, the stock market of things. Josh, how you doing, my man? I'm pretty amazing. How are you? Good. Happy holidays. Thank you very much. Welcome to a new decade. It is a new decade. 2020. Um, That's like by the generic calendar though right like for me my last decade started in nine in nine i was born 78 all right right so my decades yeah yeah so at the end of every eight you know is when i celebrate the decades all right that's cool Mm -hmm. i'm a i think i'm a gen xer Mm -hmm. but i'm not sure what year are you born i'm i'm an 80 you're oh you're born 80 i'm born 80 yeah yeah so i I don't think i'm i grew up during like the cheesy 80 music yeah 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 so i don't know i'm I'm, I'm a lot older than you i'm two whole years older than you oh my god what do i have to look forward to yeah yeah. good stuff coming no not at all (laughs) no it sucks Well, first of all, uh, thank you for doing this. No, I know thanks. taking time out of your day is, no, thanks for is coming down. To do. So I just want to start off. I don't know if you know this, but you and I have a lot in common. Okay, so I want the audience to know that you and I, besides starting like a really cool company that has gotten tons of press, you and I are basically the same. Okay. All right. Sure. So we're both Pennsylvania guys. Yeah. So you're a Philly guy. Mm-hmm. I'm a PA guy. Mm-hmm. You went to Emory, mm-hmm. right? I went to Wash U in St. Louis. Yeah, sure. That's the same thing. Yeah. You have mm-hmm. two kids. Mm-hmm. I got two kids. Yeah. You're a transplant. Yeah. I'm a transplant. Okay. So besides this whole StockX thing that's like awesome and super cool, we're basically yeah. the same. Okay. All are, right. are you gonna go home to my house tonight? Am I going home to your house? Is that what this is? This is like uh, that would be make for a movie? very interesting Freaky podcast. Freaky Friday or something freaky friday right, yeah, yeah absolutely yeah we could cool. switch roles okay all right well let's dive right in okay i want to tell the audience kind of kick it off tell me what StockX is all about i know it's like a relatively simple concept but it's relatively groundbreaking so how did you come up with this idea for a stock market of things so um so stock x is a as a consumer marketplace it's it's an evolution of ebay right all we are is a platform we connect buyers and sellers who want to buy and sell products and we started with sneakers and we've gone on and done watches and handbags and streetwear and baseball cards and toys um but the reason why that it's a interesting business the reason why it's become the largest marketplace in the world for for sneakers and streetwear um, is that it's based on on how a stock market works it's it is an actual stock market and when i say a stock market when i say a stock market of things immediately people think about investments people think about uh, you know buying a share of stock and it's not about investments or it's not about investments per se it's about the way a stock market connects buyers and sellers that's what it means when we say we're a stock market of things and um we didn't make that up all we did was just copy how the stock market works. We copied the efficiencies of how a stock market gets to a true market price for a share of Nike stock, of how a stock market decides how many people can buy a share and how many people can sell a share and, and how that works. And, and the stock market has been the most efficient form of commerce for 200 years. So it was a pretty good theory. And for us, it was could we turn that into a website? Could we turn that into a business for sneakers? And, um, and it worked. And it worked pretty well. But we're you know about to be four years into this, and it's still feels like it's day zero around here so let's talk about that let's go back mm-hmm. to like the beginning like mm-hmm. did, did you do did people think you were crazy where they were like yeah man you're out of your mind like you're trying to create a stock market for shoes like what are you doing or you know, was there immediate traction well so i'm a startup guy so i've started and run three other startups before this um none of them had anything to do with sneakers um and none of them ever had nearly this amount of success but um 
you know, in any startup, uh, every idea is crazy until it's not. And every idea, you know, it, it, so what was interesting here, though, was the fundamentals of this were really super sound. Like, stock market is not like we didn't make that up, you know. Um, and the sneaker market itself has been around in some form since 1985. I mean, this goes back to the first Air Jordans and what, you know, essentially created the secondary market for shoes. So that's not necessarily new either, but it wasn't mainstream. People today in 2019, excuse me, 2020, we now, uh, sneakers have become much more ubiquitous, much more mainstream, much more in the, in the public view. It wasn't like that in, in 2010. It wasn't like that in, in 2015 when I started, when I came to Detroit. And so at each, at each of those moments, those sneakers were becoming more and more mainstream. And as that became more um, visible, um, it sort of became more of, oh, I understand more of what you're doing. So it was about like our business grew at the same time that sneakers were becoming more popular. And that was a good thing for us. So you try to merge these two ideas, right? You have a stock market, which has been around since the beginning of, you know, mm-hmm. you know, the century, you know, if not farther. And then you have this other idea of just kind of the sneakerhead culture kind of merging together. Did you find yourself having to kind of like, do you get a lot of head nodding? Like, I get it. Or were you like, why are people not seeing what I'm seeing? So here's the thing. So the business, the way it started was um, I created a company that was called Campless, C-A-M-P-L-E-S-S, Campless. And Campless was a play off of the fact that people camp out for shoes. And Campless was a, was a, a sneaker price guide. It was a data company. What we were doing is we were scraping eBay in 2012, 2013, 2014 to figure out what our shoes actually worth. And we built this Kelly Blue Book Beckett type of price guide. And um, there was no business. And uh, I was doing this on the side while I was working at IBM. And, um, but there was traction and people were using it and became the default price guide within the sneaker industry. So then I take that out and I'm talking to everyone in the sneaker industry, Nike, eBay, Foot Locker, Complex, et cetera, around this idea that, listen, if you understand the value of sneakers, you could create sneaker portfolios. And if you could create sneaker portfolios, you could create a stock market for sneakers. And none of the people in the sneaker industry were interested in that. They were interested in the data. They were interested in the data that we were collecting and creating. And it was how could they use that data in their business? And fair enough. I didn't think Nike was going to change their whole business and build a stock market with me. But why not? Do you think they just didn't see it or it wasn't worth their time at that point? it's It's not worth their time and it's not what their core business is. Their core business is how do they sell more shoes at retail? And if they saw this really interesting, unique, and new data set that didn't exist anywhere else, and that was what they were most interested in. And I went in there with this idea of, well, the data is one thing, but this is what you could build on top of it. Well, they're not a marketplace. They're not an e-commerce marketplace. They're a brand, and they, they just have a different business. So, you know, in retrospect, it it it, uh, it makes sense. Um, and the, the irony of this whole thing is that the, the one person that actually had the exact same idea that not only did they understand the idea, but had the same idea um, was a guy who was not involved in the sneakers at all. You know, which is is, um, Dan Gilbert, who's obviously the owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers and Quicken Loans and most of the city of Detroit. Um, And there's a long story here, but the short version is that Dan had the exact same idea independently. And Dan's got no ties to sneakers whatsoever. I mean, it's been almost four years, and I literally can't get him to wear sneakers. (laughs) But he had this bigger idea. You haven't sent him any pairs on his doorstep, like, you must wear these to... Absolutely. We've We've tried all that. You know, I've had his kids try to, you know, his wife, there's been shoes at games. But, um, you know, but... The, the reality is Dan had had this idea around a stock market of things, this idea that you could use the way a stock market works for e-commerce. And then he saw one of his sons buying and selling sneakers on eBay in 2015, like every other teenage kid. 
and said, you know what, that's a pretty crappy market leader and that'd be a perfect place to start a stock market. So Dan went out and he put together a team, unbeknownst to me, to start working on a sneaker stock market. Like a similar idea that... The Literally the exact same idea. Now he was coming at it from the marketplace side, I was coming at it from the sneaker side. And so they started working on this, but you know, they got a, a week or two into it and realized, well, like, we need a sneaker guy. Who's a sneaker guy that's gonna help us run the sneaker stock market? So they go out, they do some research, they find campus, they find me, we get together, turns out the sneaker guy is also trying to build a sneaker stock market. And also, you know, so this is like total like amazing coincidence. Yeah, it was, it was marriage very, made in heaven. It was a very serendipitous, um, you know, thing, and to find out that for me, you know, because I had pitched this idea to to literally everyone in the sneaker industry, and everybody was like, whatever. But you know, so were years, you like ready to give up? Like, were you at that point, or were yeah? So there, there's, um, so I was doing this on the side while I was working at IBM, and I had one. Uh, kid at the time, and uh, my wife was pregnant with uh, our second child, and so, like, I knew like once that second kid come, that was going to be a much different dynamic. Yeah. Um, and Fatherhood so, and responsibility set in. Well, you know, it was one. Th you know, with with the first child, my wife had had really taken a lot off my plate, and because I had two full time jobs between IBM and, and running campus and nights and weekends, but like, man, it was getting close. That second kid was there, and and like there was something there with campus and with that business, but um, you know. Who knows what would have happened? But literally about a week before my son was born is when I met Dan. And um, and the short version of a long story is I ended up selling Campus to Dan, becoming partners with him, and turning Campus as a data layer into StockX as the marketplace. And that was um, like June of 2015. What a and, great story. Yeah, we launched Campus, or we launched StockX uh, you know, about nine months later. So let's talk about the name. Because all of our audience, they always love to know, like, how did you come up with the name? We've had multiple founders on the show, and they tell us a story about the nine versions that were before the final version. Yeah. Was it always StockX? Or no. Was, was I, there another name? Was there... So... So the, the business I was running was called Campless. And I called it Campless because every sneaker, there was, there was no shortage of sneaker blogs and sneaker websites, and everyone was nice kick, soul collector, you know, sneaker news. Everything had sneaker, soul, kick, flip in it, right? And it was like to try to distinguish between that. So I was like, listen, I'm going to just create a name that doesn't have any of those words in it, and I'm either going to build a brand or not, but I wanted it to make it, it was a unique name. So I showed up with Campless. These guys were calling the business Soul Trade. They were calling it Soul Trade was the name of the business. And it was a playoff of like Ameritrade, right? And a Soul Trade. And I was like, look, that may or may not be a good name, but like you can't, we can't call this Soul Trade for two reasons. One, you can't have the word Soul Kick flip in it. Like it just, you're going to get lost in this morass of, of sneaker blogs. And second, like it's about this bigger idea. We all agree we're starting with sneakers, but we all knew from the day one that it was, not, it was about this bigger idea. So, I got so sneakers it. was just the entree, yeah. which we'll, we can it, talk about in a minute. Yeah. I mean, it's so it's become a, much bigger. Exactly. So it was always about the model. So we all agreed, all right, so we need a name. But at that, like, well, we couldn't agree on anything. And so the way we came up with the name, elbow grease. I mean, just hours and hours in a room with whiteboards. And um, we have a picture of a, of a whiteboard, and it's got, like, votes next to it. There are only, like, eight people in the company. And no, I can't. No one can remember who came up with Stock X. Um, I remember I came up with Stock Market X, and someone uh, someone had shortened it. And there's like a, a list of like different no, uh, uh, names and who had voted on it. And like, you know, then part of it is like, can you get the domain? So for a while, we yeah. wanted to, we wanted to call the company. Um, uh, crap! I can't. Man. Um, oh man! It uh, it was. It was some like super generic name. It was some super generic word, and we found out that like Mark Cuban owned the domain for it. And you know, Dan and Mark are both NBA owners, so Dan emails him and says, "Hey, um, can I buy that domain name from you?" And 
and Cuban just writes back something like, uh, Twitter offered a million, and I said no. And uh, and so we're like, all right, well, I guess we're not gonna like get that domain name. And like, at that point, on. you're like, I'm not dropping yeah. a million bucks on a domain. Yeah, and yeah. like, it, and I I can't the fact that I can't even remember what it was, you know. Um, so anyway, so part of it is like, what, what can you get the domain name and and all that sort of stuff. And so yeah, so it came up, but it was it's about like elbow grease, and and you look back and, you know, you got a six six letter domain name and all that sort of stuff. So it worked so do you think well. it was more like. You knew you when you had it, or was it like we just give up? So oh, yeah, is great. Let's no, no. When we finally got there, we knew we had it. But man, we tried everything. You try acronyms. You try yeah. you know Latin. You try you know all the different uh, different stuff. There were so many different. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I love mm-hmm. it. So when did you? Because we talked a lot of startup guys and Matter. Sorry, M A T T E R Matter dot com. We wanted to call the site Matter, Matter which sounds like ridiculous. Now I think StockX is much better. Thank you very yeah, much. Just and my own personal vote. Thank but. you. And Mark Cuban owns Matter dot com, and it redirects to a website that sells Mark Cuban T shirts. So Mark, shout out to Mark. Uh-huh. Mark's also a Pittsburgh guy. Okay. And hopefully he got more than uh-huh. you know, his original asking yeah, yeah. price Ho- from yeah, Twitter. I, I, but- I haven't Googled. I haven't looked up matter.com recently, but that's what we wanted. And uh, yeah, and I ended up I think it worked X. out well. Yeah, I think it worked you. out well for mm-hmm. you guys. So we talk to startup founders all the time. I have been one myself. I know the, know the drill, know what it's like. When did you feel like the moment where like we got something, right? I mean, obviously it helps to have someone like Dan in your, in your, in your corner help you kind of get to that unicorn status probably quicker than most, but- yeah. When did you know, like, we got something? So um, any marketplace um, gets better with more liquidity, and stock market gets better with more liquidity. And, um, and so for, for StockX, as we were building this marketplace, um, the first time there was a really big sneaker drop. So we launched the company in February of 2016, and in September of 2016 was the first big sneaker release after we launched, and it was the... Um, it was the Air Jordan 1 um, bread, the black and red, sort of just classic Air Jordan 1. And uh, we were doing uh, probably about 50 to 60 sales a day, and uh, and that shoe dropped. And on that Saturday, we did 302. And, um, and Greg Schwartz, the co-founder and, and CEO of StockX, and he and I are, are literally like, you know, refreshing our phone every four seconds for all day and just watching this, you know, I mean, just, and that was the like, oh, wow, like, you know what, like there's definitely something here because you could see the trades coming off the board real time. You could see the spread closing, you know, down to like one, two dollars, you know, a piece and just how quickly, you know, you could follow the market in real time because there was so much liquidity of the shoe that had gone into the market at all at once because Nike releases those shoes and everybody wants them. And so that was the moment that we were like, you know what, like there could be a real business here. By the way, Nowhere near the the size and scale that it's become, or that we think it can become now. But at that point, we're like, all right, like there's there's a business. Here. So walk me through that moment, because I because I can I can yeah. envision you and Greg like you're checking the phone every 22 seconds. Are you like running around the floor like, holy cow, we're, we we got well, 300? So it was a Saturday. Okay. All right. And what was what so you're was working it? the grind? You're in the office. What? We're, so we were and um, so the there's a guy who joined our company that week. Uh, whose name is Adam Wolf, and he was kind of the like third leader with us for the, and he had just joined the company, and we had taken me, and my wife, Greg, his wife, and Adam and his wife. We all went out to dinner that night, and so we're all sitting at dinner, and we're all looking at our phone. And we all keep like refreshing the like analytics like tool, and like watching and watching, and all our wives are like you know, and there's this picture. We went to the, the um, in Birmingham, you know, there's that that um, like playground right near um, right near the hotel in the center square, sure. right? Yeah. So there's this picture of Greg and I both pushing our daughters on the swing like this, like looking down at our phone. Totally like engaged, this. of course. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. I mean, it was father like, of the yeah, year. Yeah, and like you look at it now, and you know, we do. 
There'll be days where we'll do 15, 16, 18,000 shoes a day today. And, you know, we did 300 that day. And it felt like, you know, it was just – the whole thing was just nuts. I mean, it just – it felt like you're just looking at your phone in just pure shock of, like, what was going on. And the yeah. odds are, in the way things are going, yeah. one day you'll look back and go, yeah, 16,000 a day was nothing. Oh, absolutely. Right? I mean, that's kind of the beauty of these yeah. stories. yeah. So from the outside world, I mean, because we all read about StockX, we've been following it, we're all passionate about it because we love what, what it's doing for Detroit. It appeared early on, you got amazing traction with really cool influencers who were just immediately attracted to the brand, the M&Ms of the world, the yeah. Mark Wahlbergs. What do you think was about the brand itself? Forget the actual like business model. Was there something about the core of StockX that they were like, we want to be a part of that? Well, no, it's it the the whether it's Dan or the NBA or sneakers or any of that that opens the door to have conversations with, with different people. Um, it was about the, this bigger idea of what we were trying to do um, because these guys get approached with businesses, you know, all the time. Um, but, you know, once they got beyond the like, oh, okay, this is like a sneaker thing and into this bigger idea of really truly changing the way the e-commerce works, um, that's when, you know, they sort of got excited. And what was interesting is both for, for M and Mark, who were the two big early investors, they were both helping us before they were investors. We created that first round in order to allow them to invest because it was the greatest, like, thanks that we could give because they were helping us anyway. And so it was a really unique way of how we ended up having these really high-profile investors. But it was all people that were generally – um, you know, understood the business, the bigger idea what we're trying to do, and then we're, we're in it to actually help us. So were they opening doors, introducing you guys to people? Like, what was their role? As I mean, you said they were involved even before yeah. they were... So, um, you know, for Mark, what happened early on was, you know, really early on, I was in a meeting with Dan, and it came up randomly that, like, Mark Wahlberg, like, wears a lot of Jordans. And Dan's like, oh, I know Mark. And, like, an hour later, I'm on an email chain with Dan and Mark, and two days later, I'm at Mark's house in... Uh, California, like going through a sneaker closet with them, and this is when we were still campless. We hadn't even like transferred to StockX yet, and uh, and he was like, "Why don't we like value the sneaker collection?" So we like valued a sneaker collection, and we put it on campus, and it was a whole like you know we got all this press out of it and stuff like that. And like he, would, he didn't ask us for anything, you know, from that. You know, he was just it was just um, a normal closet yeah. audit. Yeah, and but we were just both you know sneakerheads. It was fun. Yeah. It was just he was going through. He was excited to show me all these like rare Jordans he had and stuff like that. So it was, and, and then we got you know we're like you know. He was like, yeah, let's put it on the blog. Let's, you know, I mean, it was it was a all totally super organic, organic yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. So, were you always a sneaker guy? Like, I can picture you like yeah. being like seven, being like, mm-hmm. mom, I don't want the normal kicks. I want those crazy ones with the the yellow laces and the. Is that, was that you? Yeah, I mean, look, I'm. Uh, was, we already went over my age, so I'm I'm 41. I'll be 42 uh, next month. And man, I have the exact same story as every other 42 year old sneakerhead, which is I grew up playing basketball and Jordan played. I always wanted Air Jordans. My mom would never buy me Air Jordans. As soon as I got some money, I bought Air Jordans. Like, we all have the exact same story. And, you know, if you're, like, around my age and you're into sneakers, you came up either through basketball or through skateboarding. Like, that was, like, the two, like, avenues in, in you know, the 80s and 90s. And that was it. And and I literally still have shoes of mine from, you know, from seventh grade, from eighth grade. Um, and obviously, I have a whole lot more now than I did back then. But, yeah, that's that's it. I love that. It's mm-hmm. such a cool story. So let's talk about just the connection to Detroit because I think it, yep. it's a huge part of the story. So I think StockX and you in particular have just been deeply committed to the Detroit part of this story from the yep. very beginning. So why did you believe it was so important that this was the right place? I mean, putting Dan aside for a second and his commitment, like what was your personal belief on why Detroit was the right place to house this company? Yeah, well, you know, you know, the, you can't separate, um, you know, StockX and, and Greg and I um, from Dan, particularly in the beginning. Um, you know, Dan is – 
um, and was the first and largest investor. But um, Dan's a co-founder in in every sense of the word. I mean, he literally had the exact same idea independently. In the beginning, you know, there were five of us. We sat right outside of his office. And, you know, it wasn't just like, you know, here's a money. Like, he'd be out there and be like, ah, you know, I really think, like, you know, the font should be like this. Like, you know, like he was just – He was in the weeds. Yeah, and and he loved that stuff. And and he actually – you know, a lot of the like stock market expertise in the beginning, you know, was really driven by him in terms of like, no, 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 like that's not how, you know, a bid works. It would work like this. And, you know, how are you going to do that? So he was really, really involved. But for us, you know, Dan's um, primary business obviously is Quicken Loans, but there's a whole family of companies under that. There's actually about 130 companies. And um, it's not intentionally an incubator, but it ended up being an incubator for us, where not only was the funding taken care of, but we were able to tap into Quicken Loans HR and payroll and accounting and finance and tax and legal, and that Greg and I could just go there and run the business. Right. So you weren't worried about all yeah. the bureaucracy that crushes a lot of other startups. And just yeah, yeah, and just you have to spend all this time doing all the admin stuff and all the time you know raising money. And Greg and I could just work on the business. And but by default, you know, then we're we're you know very much a part of the Quicken Loans family of companies, which is obviously you know based in Detroit and and um, has done a lot towards the revitalization of Detroit. And so we're we're based downtown, and we're in the same building as Quicken Loans headquarters. And and to be a part of all that was going on in Detroit at that time, and even still now. But man, when we moved here, and in, in when I moved here in, in 2015, like God, like every day there's a new building, there's a new restaurant, you know. And there's still a lot of growth going on, but like this, the growth at that time it was crazy. And so it was fun to just be a part of that because like if you're a startup guy, like all of a sudden like now you're in a startup city. And to be a part of that in the beginning, we were absolutely benefiting from it. And now we get to be, you know, whatever, you know, that we can do to, to be a part and help it. It's um, it's really just a fun place to be for a startup. That's why I laugh because I'm like, I think it, they're like simultaneously part in the same. I mean, oh, if, yeah. if stock has started in Columbus, like it just wouldn't be as cool. Yeah. Like it's just so cool that it's part of the Detroit story yeah. now and like the rebirth of the city kind of coinciding with exactly what you just said. So to me, from an outside point of view, they, they seem like locked at the hip. Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, honestly, like one of the like most exciting days was um, when uh, they um, they put our, our now we have a sign on the outside of the building, but uh, they put our, our sign in the lobby and it's got it says like Quicken Loans and Meridian and um, I forget what the other company is. And um, and I didn't ask them to. And nobody like nobody told me all of a sudden I just came in one day and like our sign was up there and I was like, holy crap. I was like. I was like, that's so cool. We made like, it. We yeah, got yeah, a yeah. sign. I know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I've never had a sign. It makes yeah, me better. No. You, you made it. You got yeah. a sign. So let's talk about kind of where things are now. You've reached kind of unicorn status, which is no small fee, which for those of you who don't know what that means out there, your company's valued in basically a billion dollars or up, right? So to me, does that give you guys a platform by which not only to talk about StockX, but just put Detroit on the map? I mean, it doesn't every day, not every city has a unicorn within their realm. Is it giving you a, a voice, an audience to be like, hey, this is what we're doing in Detroit, besides just StockX? Yeah, I mean, look, the 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 valuation and the um, the things that go along with it are are um, are awesome and great and and humbling. But it doesn't happen like overnight, right? It's not like you're like you know, hundred dollars today and you wake up tomorrow and you're a billion. Like it's a, it's a you know, one foot in front of the other. And the business was at a place um, well before the press that happened around the the, the valuation. Um, but it's, um, 
you know, there's uh, there's a couple other companies in in the area and a couple of entrepreneurs in the area that have had super successful companies as well, and um, and we try to to you know learn from them and try to help those that we can, and particularly within the family of companies where there's uh, you know a lot of other startups, some of which you know are larger that we, that you might know about, but also there's a lot of like you know two three person um, startups that are trying to create something here, and for us to be able to help them, that that's a pretty cool thing. So, so. are you kind of paying it forward like are you the people tr- reach yeah, out to you and being we, like we try to as much as we can um you know we're involved in in startup we care and, and stuff like that but a lot of it is even just the the informal stuff within the family of companies of just other businesses that are um you know that are around here and doing stuff that's so, so. cool that's so cool so recently you guys made a change you brought in a, a new body to your leadership team yeah, yeah. you brought in scott who's kind of the new ceo how, he also has a very impressive background like you sure. i mean you guys had careers prior to starting this how has that changed things i mean is it Taking a new direction, what, what what's yeah, just yeah. there? So that's it. It's one of the most um, probably exciting things going on right now for us, which is that um, you know I, I replaced myself as CEO. It's been about six months now. Um, you know, going from zero to a billion, there's no playbook for that. There's no plan. You just figure it out and and you you grow. But like, there's absolutely a playbook to go from one billion to ten or to hundred or whatever an IPO and whatever the growth is comes from now. And I'm a startup founder. You know, um, I certainly you know never saw myself as being the CEO of a public company or even today where we have, you know, 1,100 employees and and that. But what was interesting is we weren't looking for a new CEO. We weren't looking for a new leadership, but we've known Scott since the very beginning. Scott was actually an investor in the very first round uh, with Eminem and Mark Wahlberg and, and, um, and, uh, and at the time, he was the CEO of StubHub. And what's really interesting is Scott's background is literally StockX. So Scott was one of the leaders of the New York Stock Exchange. And then he was the CEO of StubHub. And then he was the number two guy at eBay. And those are literally the three companies that are basically make up StockX from a fundamental standpoint. Like StubHub is like the shining example of how secondary mark- markets work with, with primary markets in, in the ticketing industry. And so um, Scott became, for Greg and I, probably our closest advisor um, over the past couple of years as just, you know, informally, but, um, you know, was just there. And uh, we always thought, Greg and I, that, like, man, if we ever got big enough, like, man, he'd be a perfect person to help. And we never think you're going to be a billion-dollar company. Yeah, but, so you were targeting him back then. Oh, yeah. We yeah. were, you know, like, look, this whole thing, any business is, is just about people. And, um, you know, for us, we were always trying to, to hire, you know, more and better leaders. And, and you know, we just hired – CFO has been here, I don't know, six weeks. CMO has been here three months. Like we're just filling out the leadership team that for the longest time, it was really just a handful of us um, running the business. And so it's great to be able to, to build that out and, and to go to the next level because, man, there's just so much to do yeah. and there's so much opportunity. And, and so it, it's been pretty fun. Having so I've been Scott waiting here. for you to call me. Say, Lou, I need help. <laughs> yeah. I need you to do something for me because yeah. we're all here to help. We're all here to yeah. support. I mean, it all oh, helps yeah. the city, right? Let's go. So how does that change things for you? I mean, are you focusing on the things that you're really passionate about and that's kind of what you're working on? Or? You know, um, my title was CEO, but for all intents and purposes, Greg and I were co-CEOs and, and co-running the company and, and basically split the duties for the most part. And, you know, Greg had, had been running most of the stuff internally in terms of, you know, product and marketing and, and customer service and ops. And I basically did most of the external stuff in terms of, like, public speaking and uh, investor stuff and, and all of the the sort of, like, non-core, but, um, like, you know, like the startup, like, innovative stuff. And so I still do all that stuff, and I'm still on the road a lot. Um, I still do a lot of, like, the new product and um, new category stuff. So right now, one of the things I spend a lot of time on is trading cards, which is the newest vertical that we just launched a couple months ago. 
Um, and um, and but Scott's coming here and and uh, you know and, and taking hold of the company and with Greg to you know basically run the core business. So I get to still do all the like the innovative you know fun startup within a startup stuff, and um, and still spend a lot of time like public speaking and that sort of stuff. So tell me about the journey. I mean, here you are, you know, years later. Are you still enjoying it as much now as you did when it was the two of you throwing you know? Stickums on the wall for potential names. Or is it is it the same feeling or is it just different? Uh, I mean, it's it's definitely different. But the 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 definition of a startup is is hyper growth. And um, you know, in the early going, there's just so many things that you could possibly do, right? And there in any business, there's just an infinite number of things to do. And it's still like that, right? It still feels like day zero in terms of like God. There's just like there's just an infinite number of things we'd love to do today and, and just trying to prioritize and, and figure that out. Um, and so in a lot of ways, it's, it's more exciting now because, you know, like I've started to run four startups. I've spent a lot of times picking names and picking logos and going through that process. But like, man, we've never done this part. Like how do we go from, a, you know, from a billion to a, to a public company, whatever happens next. So, so. cool. So let, let's talk about the city kind of as we, as mm-hmm. we wrap things up here. So, you know, you and I kind of got here around the same time when, like, the city was really just kind of starting its growth on the hockey stick of what we've all seen over the last couple of years. What are you personally – forget the business for a second. What are you most personally excited about to see what's going on here? Well, you know, I um, – so I live in uh, I live in the suburbs, but I work uh, downtown. And um, and my wife works um, uh, in southwest Detroit, and I have uh, – and I have two kids. And so um, we're very much, you know, like – growing up as a family in the city, you know, do things like figuring out, like, you know, I, I, I take my daughter and feel like figure out how to, you know, whatever, go ice skating or, or, um, you know, it just, it's Ride like the all, together, you know? Yeah. yeah I mean, right. it's like, it's all the stuff of like, so now I'm, I'm being a, a father in the city and like, where do I take my daughter on the weekend or where do we go ride bike riding or, or what parks do we go to and, and stuff like that. So, you know, in a, in a way, like I've never, um, explored a city uh like in the same way except when i was that age when i was a kid and figuring out like where was the park that my dad would take me to ride my bike and stuff like that so for me it's a lot of that stuff like with my kids you know i i'm either working all the time or i'm or i'm home with my kids and 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 figuring out how to you know i take them to swimming and and stuff like that so for me like that's what like the city's become for me as i as like figure out how to raise your kids sure isn't that kind of cool and, you're doing it together too oh yeah, yeah. i kind of always yeah, say yeah, like yeah. we have kids kind of the same age i'm yeah. like we're learning a major city together. Like this wasn't here oh, 10 yeah, years yeah. ago and we're doing it kind of as a family. It's so yeah. cool to see that. So kind of like want to get the crystal ball, like about StockX. Like okay. where do you see this thing going? You know, are, is it world domination is the next plan? I mean, what, what, what in your mind, if you could look out 10 years, where do you, where do you see this thing going? Yeah. So there's three ways that StockX grows. Um, one, we sell the same things we sell today to more people, and that's largely about um, international expansion. And so today, right now, the highest priorities of the business are, are Europe and, and China. Um, two, um, we cr- sell more products, and that's about category expansion. So we just added trading cards, but you could see us adding you know, comic books or other collectibles. So there's a lot of different other there's categories. More verticals. Just keep adding. Right. But the really interesting thing, and, and the to be sort of cliche, kind of the revolutionary part of it, is to work with brands to release products directly into the market. So today we're a better secondary market, but the really interesting thing becomes when we work brands to literally IPO products into existence. 
And we've done some of these. We did a, a big one with Adidas uh, in October. We did one with Tops, the baseball card company. So it doesn't go to Foot Locker first. Oh, that's it comes right. to you first. That's right, yeah. where it goes into the market directly right. as an IPO, where we're literally using what's called a blind Dutch auction to price the products in the same way that, that equities might be priced if they went into the market you know, as an actual IPO. And this is a like a truly like revolutionary idea and a really and, and by the way it, it won't happen overnight you know but like you could foresee a scenario where you know in, in two years just every Monday here's the 40 products that are IPOing on StockX this week and they go into the market and they then the market continues to trade them in the same way that like you know you have an IPO of of whatever of a of a company and then the those shares continue to be traded within that the New York Stock Exchange wherever sure. it is and that could be anything oh that a thousand cars, percent that could be houses I mean, it could be anything yep and then then those products continue to to be like day traded, right? And that's idea. Like you could literally be in a scenario where you're day trading sneakers or, or you're buying and selling fractional shares. Or like, you know, if you go to the StockX homepage today, there's indices on the page. There's a Jordan index, yep. a Nike index. Sure. And, a D- and today that's just for fun. I mean, it's real data there, but you can't invest in the Jordan index. But you will. You absolutely will. And everything you think you can do within a stock market, like that's what happens here. If you take these consumer goods and truly create a stock market of things, like that's the bigger idea here that, that we're doing. And so I don't know if it's in one year or five years or 10 years or whatever it looks like, but like that's the big idea and what we're trying to do. Super cool. Super cool. All right. So now we're at my favorite part of every podcast. Okay. This is the Josh Luber lightning round. Okay. okay? So this is like for those of you out there, he has not seen the questions ahead of time. Uh, yep. I'm going to, this is total spontaneous. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. All right. Your favorite pair of shoes. Um, the shoe that I have the most pairs of is called the Air Jordan 1 Lance Mountain White. I have seven pairs, so I think by definition that's my favorite. Okay. Pair. Do mm-hmm. you actually wear them? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Do you actually own dress shoes? <laughs> I absolutely own dress shoes. And do yes. you wear them? It's been a long time since I've put on dress shoes, but, you know, I, I worked for IBM. I was a lawyer. I worked at a big law firm. Yeah. I, See, I figured shoes. all those yeah, made yeah. it into the trash nope. when this whole thing uh, nope. took off. I still got them all. Yeah, because mm-hmm. for those of you out there, like, I dream to be you and be wear comfortable gear mm-hmm. all day long. Mm-hmm. Love it. Favorite spot to entertain people when they come to Detroit? When you, I assume you entertain a lot of people. Where, where do you like to entertain? Mm, StockX Authentication Center. Okay. The, the StockX tour is the most this is the most fun part. You know, we we we've built an experience when people come here. We can take them to the authentication center and show them that whole process and show them the office. I mean, you've got a, a small glimpse of the office here, but like, it's fun. Right? We make it fun. I mean, look at my office here. So. Okay. Mm-hmm. You're, yeah. yeah. I wish everyone could see this office. It's awesome. This this is like a toy store on steroids. Uh-huh. This is amazing. There's nine of everything. Uh-huh. So just those of you out there. There's 87 Frozones and nine of everything else. There yeah. are. Hopefully we captured on some form of documentation so we can share with others. But favorite coffee spot to grab a cup of coffee in the D? Um, you know, I drink coffee at, at home. Okay. Um, I drink um, uh, favorite ca- brand. Cafe Du Monde. Uh, okay coffee in the morning and then at the office i'll i'll you know i'll drink whatever but yeah. nescafe or keurig mm-hmm. guy um uh keurig all right yeah. okay well i figured mm-hmm. gotta get mm-hmm. something there best uh, advice for another entrepreneur who's trying to start something in, in detroit you know it's um it's always flattering that i get asked some versions question uh, a lot and um and there's there's two answers and they're both super uh basic one is talk to everybody about everything. Um, a lot of entrepreneurs, particularly young entrepreneurs, are scared that people are going to like steal their idea. Ideas are worthless. Like execution is the only thing that matters. So like you shouldn't be, you shouldn't show up to a meeting with an NDA or like be scared. Like you got to talk to everybody about everything. That's how you figure out who to work with, how to refine your idea, you know, how to execute it. And second is just do something. To be somewhat you know cliche, and not to say like just do it, but like you know. 
God, man, there were so many times where what are you going to do? You're going to go watch TV or you're going to go like, like there's just something that you can be doing to push us forward. And you don't have to like do the whole thing. Like it's just one foot in front of the other. So like what can you do to just move forward just a little bit? And then, you know, something happens from there. And, and so it's, just, it's literally talk to everybody and just do something. So what was your most memorable moment kind of in Detroit as an entrepreneur? Like was it seeing that, that sign on the wall for the first time? Like what, what was your most memorable moment to date? Man, there's been so many. Um there's been so many. Um, I stumped him. Yeah, I, there's just there, there's no like single most. Honestly, it was, it was the, the first trip here, right? That so. Um, there, there's a longer story here, but the short version is that um, Dan and Greg had invited me to a Cavs game, and then they from a from Cleveland they brought me to Detroit, and I had never been to Detroit before. I had never met anyone from Detroit. I never thought about Detroit. I'm literally on my way to Detroit. I'm like, am I going to meet Isaiah Thomas? Like, that was my only, like, 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 you know. And then I got here, and I got a whole tour of, like, the of everything as Dan's going on in the whole city. And the first impression of Detroit is probably the most impactful because it was nothing like I had had in my mind. And then, you know, I moved here, and, and everything happened from there. So cool. Well, I can tell you on behalf of EXP and on behalf of Detroit – we're proud of you. We're proud of what StockX is doing. Thank you, Thank you so much, much for I taking time it. to do this and keep it up. And we hope we can do this 10 years from now and there's an even more cool story to tell. Cool. Thank you, man. Awesome. I appreciate it. So for more information on StockX, check them out at StockX.com or follow them on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to this episode of the EXP DET podcast. Please make sure to write us a review or provide us with some comments and some feedback. If you want to hear about what other cool Detroit changemakers are doing, check us out at expdet.com, or you can also follow us on Instagram or Facebook.